The internet is a very interesting place. There are dangers lurking around every corner. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends. It's good to see you made it back for another episode. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy, and allegedly true, online horror stories that'll freak you out. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. Now, let's get into these creepy and allegedly true online horror stories that'll keep you off the internet tonight. I used to play a lot of Insurgency Sandstorm with a fixed set of guys and girls. We used to organize using a Discord server. People came and went as time went by, but there were a couple of us that stayed in touch quite frequently outside of just organizing gaming sessions and became pretty good friends online. Insurgency, for those who have not played it, is one of those hyper-realistic military shooters that tends to get really intense. Occasionally, downright terrifying when it's at its best. I'm not saying we had this proper Band of Brothers vibe going. I know it's only a video game, but like I said, a handful of us ended up getting pretty good, and we became solid friends. We were bonding over an intense level of teamwork required to win the rounds, not to mention the sweaty-palmed, adrenaline-fueled firefights. One of these friends was named Colin. One day, Colin tells us that he wouldn't be playing Insurgency for a little while, because he had taken a job teaching English as a foreign language out in Indonesia. He had wanted to do some traveling for a while, but just didn't have the money available to him, and getting qualified to teach English gave him an opportunity to see some more exotic areas of the world, whilst getting paid for it. We were gutted to hear the news. He was one hell of a sniper. Many times, we'd be pinned down by some enemy machine gunner, only for the gunfire to stop suddenly, followed by a little laugh from Colin, and a, have that you twat, in his Scottish accent. We absolutely loved him for moments like that, but we were also happy for him, and since he promised to stay in the Discord server, we would be able to stay in touch and hear some stories of his adventures out in the tropics. So a few months go by, and we were enjoying hearing stories of his travels, along with being updated with photos of him exploring some remote parts of Indonesia. It was photos of him with school kids he was teaching that really made me smile, though. He looked like he was having the time of his life, especially when we saw some videos of him teaching the kids some obscure English phrases. Not only that, but occasionally we would hear some of the kids repeat the phrases back in kind of like a Scottish accent, and the idea of a bunch of Indonesian kids learning to speak English with an Edinburgh accent was pretty hilarious to us. I mean, imagine it. Some American wishing an Indonesian fellow good morning or something, only to hear his somewhat amusing accent in response. Still makes me chuckle even now, to be honest. Then, in September of 2018, I woke up to news that there had been an earthquake in the sea just off the coast of Indonesia causing an earthquake that had resulted in a massive tsunami that had destroyed huge sections of the country. Immediately, I thought of Colin. I jumped into Discord using the app on my phone and sent him a message asking him if everything was alright and hoping he had not been caught up in the tsunami. 
Obviously, there was a huge seven or eight hour time difference between the UK and Southeast Asia. And occasionally, Colin didn't reply for hours. So the fact that he didn't immediately reply wasn't a massive concern to me. But he didn't reply all that day, to the point to where I started expressing concern to some of the other lads in the server, sharing the news of the tsunami with them and mentioning that I was worried for Colin. I thought that he might have been caught up in it. We knew from the stories online about the areas of Indonesia that had been affected, but we didn't know exactly where Colin was, only that he was in some remote areas and didn't always have immediate access to Wi-Fi. Another reason for us not to immediately be worried. But he didn't reply for the next few days either. It got to the point where a week had gone by and we had heard nothing back from him. No one had even seen Colin online since we had gotten the news of the tsunami. That's when we really started to worry. And as the days went by, we got more and more frightened that something had happened to him. It's around then that I started to go back through some of the messages he'd been sending over the past previous month or so. He had been all over Indonesia and had spent his first few weeks in the capital city of Jakarta, which had remained relatively unaffected by the earthquake and subsequent tsunami. But then I found out that he had traveled out to a place called Palu to teach English there, and as far as I could tell, that's where he had been the time of the disaster. I then cross-referenced the name of the place with the stories about the tsunami, and found out that it had been one of the worst affected by the destructive tidal wave that apparently reached 23 feet in height. 23 feet of rushing water that had destroyed pretty much everything in its path, and caused the deaths of over 15,000 people. And likely, Colin had been one of them. We were devastated, but the worst part is, even to this day, we have had no closure about it. We knew Colin quite well, but he kept his online and personal life separate. We never knew his last name or the names of any of his family, so it's not like we could get in touch with them and find out if he really died or not, or to see any funeral arrangements or give our condolences. But I think the fact that even now, his Discord account lies inactive, is evidence of the fact that he did lose his life out there. Maybe he's okay, and he just never bothered to get back on Discord. Maybe his close encounter with death made him realize that video games were just a waste of time or something. But I think that's just wishful thinking on my part. In my heart of hearts, I know he's gone. I just hope he's at peace now, and whatever family he had are okay. Rest in peace, Colin. We still miss you, mate. I'm going to start off by saying all Tinder dates aren't so bad. I mean, I met my boyfriend of four years on there. I got lucky. But this story is one of the bad ones. So I was on Tinder one day and matched with this guy. We'll call him Jonah, just because I honestly forgot his name. I was really bored that day and wanted to find someone to hang out with. After a few hours of back and forth, he messaged me. Hey, want to come over? I'm babysitting my sister because my parents went out, and I can't leave her alone. Mind if we hang out here? I let him know it's no problem. Mistake number one. I just had matched with him that same day. I get ready. It's probably about 7.30 and I leave my house. I get to his house and he isn't as cute as the pictures. I mean, I guess I didn't really mind because we all find angles that make us look better. I say hi and he says his sister is up in her room but we can hang out in the family room. 
I sit on the couch and notice he is a little nervous, but I was nervous too meeting someone for the first time. We talk for a bit, about life and work, and then I ask for some water. He brings me a glass of water. I was not going to drink water like that. I was hoping for a water bottle. We were talking and he seemed extremely nervous. He was sweating a lot. I asked him if he was okay. He said he was, but he wanted to tell me something. He said, well, I'm looking for someone to, uh, dominate. I was shocked, and I didn't really say a word. He then went on explaining what he would expect of me, and he would give me money, but only if I do everything he wanted. I still didn't say anything to him. I was still in shock and trying to process exactly what I was hearing. He took my hand and said, let me show you. I still did not say anything as I was trying to process what was happening. He then took me to a room where he had three ties hanging up, like men's church ties. He said, pick one. I did not move or speak. He grabbed one off the wall and turned me around and tied my first hand. At this point, I am still frozen and shocked. I can't talk and I can't fight. But something inside of me suddenly snapped, and I snap out of it and tell him to let me go. He thinks I'm playing but I yell and say, let me go. He unties me, and I quickly get out of that room and go grab my jacket and head to the door. You know that feeling you get when you're going up the stairs from the basement and you feel like someone's going to grab you? Well, I had that same feeling leaving out the door. I thought he was going to grab me and pull me back into his house at any moment. I ran to my car and locked the door so fast. I texted my friend sitting there shaking exactly what happened. I had to let them know where I was, and I had to calm down before driving. This might not sound so scary to some people, but I, I've seen way too many documentaries, and I didn't want to end up like one of those poor girls or guys you see. So please, be safe out there while on Tinder, and don't go to people's houses on the first date. I'm an audiophile. Always have been, and always will be. I also play a fair amount of online video games too, ones where it's crucial to have clean, crisp audio. In games where you are reliant on hearing other players' footsteps, having that kind of audio quality gives you a real edge over the other players. That's why I had my heart set on the Bose A20 Aviation headset. They were without a doubt the best gaming headphones on the market, and at just under $1,000, they took a lot of work to afford. I had to work 10 months at a local gas station, including weekends, saving just a few bucks each time until I could finally afford them. But when the delivery guy had finally dropped them off and I carefully unboxed them and plugged them into my iPhone for a music test, I discovered they were well worth the wait. The depth and range they produced were phenomenal. I heard songs in ways I had never heard them before. But most importantly, I couldn't wait to see how they improved my gaming performance. A few hours later, a buddy of mine and I were playing a game called Hunt Showdown. Apologies for the tangent, but it's a terrifying experience. It's set in the swamps of post-Civil War Louisiana. The game has all kinds of monsters to hunt and take bounties from, but not without a little competition from other players. There's heavy emphasis on stealth, sneaking up on monster hunters before mercilessly dispatching them and robbing them of their prize, hence why I was so excited at using such high-quality audio gear. I was certain it'd give me and my buddy a crucial edge. I was only partially right, though. The quality of the headphones just made the game more terrifying, 
I could hear every little footstep, every creak of a door opening or a rifle reloading. At one point, I was about to ask my buddy if he had opened a door in the place we were hiding. I turned to see some black figure, holding a fire axe above his head. I screamed down the mic as the sickening crunch of the axe impacted with his skull, echoing around my ears. My friend was already gone. It was intense, seriously intense, and it was every bit as amazing as I imagined it would be. So obviously, we spent hours hammering out round after round, and not once did I take the things off. Usually after a few hours, wearing a pair of headphones can get kind of uncomfortable, but these things had foam padding in all kinds of places, ergonomically designed not to cause any kind of discomfort. I swear, I'd wear those things all night, just plugging the wireless connector into my phone, TV, laptop, anything and everything. I was kind of disappointed when it came to the end of the night and my buddy logged off to sleep. I stayed up for a few more hours testing out each game I had and seeing how the new headset enhanced the audio. And not once was I disappointed. I remember finally logging out and taking the headset off before checking my phone. Strangely enough, I had like four or five missed calls from an unknown number, and my phone wasn't even on silent. It had been ringing and vibrating over on my coffee table at multiple times throughout the evening, and not once as I heard it. These were seriously impressive. The noise cancellation was very effective. I knew that every penny spent on that headset was worth it. Only, that's about the time my phone buzzed again. The same, unknown number text popping up on the screen. It was the sheriff's department, and on the other end of the line, a lady deputy was asking me if I had been home that night. My first thought was just what the hell had happened and how they had gotten my number. But I guess the cop just have access to info like that. Or at least, that's what my brain thought. But I answered the lady's question and told her, Sure, I'd been home all night. That answer seemed to confuse her a bit. All night? She asked again. And again I reiterated that, yes, I'd been home all night playing video games. When I asked her why she was calling, she seems just to answer a question with a question. We've had deputies hammering on your apartment door for the last four hours, and you didn't hear us, not even once? Then it hit me. I had had my new headset on, not only that the volume was all the way up, not a usual thing I do, but like I said, I was testing out the noise cancellation. I sighed before I started on my long-winded explanation as to why I had not heard them calling. I felt kind of dumb having not heard them, and wondered if I had been in danger at any point, totally oblivious to the home invader attempting to break in, all while I'm just sitting there, gaming in total ignorance. Only when I asked what had happened, it was worse than I ever could have imagined. There had indeed been a break-in, only it obviously wasn't my apartment, it was the one above. A guy had busted into the apartment of the girl that lived up there with the intention of robbing her. According to the cops, she had resisted, trying to fight the guy off, but that hadn't gone well for her. Not in the least bit. The home invader had tortured her at first, trying to get her to confess where she had money or jewelry hidden. When it turned out she didn't have any, he beat her to death in frustration. This whole thing happened without me hearing so much as a iota of noise from above. I'd been there, happily playing PC games and talking to people online, with someone being murdered right above me. If only I had taken them off for five minutes. If only I had stopped fawning over them for a little while. That girl might still be alive. It's taken me quite a while to get over it. I moved out of that apartment and back into my parents' house. 
At least I could find a better place to live later. I also sold the headset too, not losing too much money in the process. But sometimes, I feel like I would have been happy to throw those things in a lake, even if I did work the better part of a year to be able to afford them. What makes it all worse is that it wasn't some random accident. My greed, my own selfishness, that's what killed that girl. That scumbag psychopath might have been the one that murdered her, but I was the one that nailed her coffin shut. So I'm a big PC gamer, and I played a lot of online stuff with my mates. But the corona hits and my gaming time shoots up like tenfold. Lack of hours at work, social distancing, basically a bunch of stuff contributes to me playing a hell of a lot more than usual. So me and a few of my mates are using Discord voice chat one night while we're on Overwatch, just blazing through round after round, when a mate of ours, Phil's, starts doing something bloody weird. So, at one point, we hear what sounds like whispering noises coming from someone's mic. I remember just ignoring it at first, until it was so frequent that we start calling it out like, who the hell is whispering down the mic? It's hella creepy. No one wants to initially own up to it, which just sort of makes me laugh it off at first, partly out of being genuinely amused, and partly just out of nervousness, because it was legit creepy that no one was owning up to it. But it carries on even after someone calls it out again. So I ended up checking Discord, watching all the little icons until the whispering starts up again. It was coming from Phil's mic, and now that I was seeing it for real, it did sound kind of like Phil's voice. So, I'm like, Yo, Phil, stop whispering, dude, it's creepy. What are you, possessed or something? But instead of being like, Ah, you got me, Phil insists he's not whispering. At first, I just laughed again and was like, Dude, I'm looking at everyone's icons, and I can see it's you. You can't fool me here. But again, Phil is insistent that he's not whispering, then actually whispers after he speaks, genuinely, like he's doing it to take the piss. Again, I'm confronting him, laughing like, dude, you just did it again. Only, he just gets more angry and tells me I don't know what I'm talking about and that he's not doing any whispering. That's when the whole mood changes. We can hear in his voice that he is deadly serious, that he himself believes he's not whispering, even though he blatantly is. I mean, it was either an Oscar-winning performance out of our junk rat-playing friend, or he seriously believed he was not whispering. And God love him, but Phil is no actor. Either way, the mood got super, super tense in the voice chat, and it wasn't brought up again. To this day, I have no idea what was going on there. He doesn't play with us much anymore, so it's not like we really get the chance to hear the whispering all that often. I don't know if it was a mental problem or whatever, but it honestly was the creepiest moment I've ever had in a Discord voice call. I mean, stomach-droppingly creepy. So, wherever you are, Phil, whatever you're up to, I hope you're doing better, mate. I really do. This all happened when I was 19. I'm not the best looking guy, so I've never had much luck with women, and I ended up on Tinder. I wasn't having much luck on there either, until the third month of using it, when a blonde woman named Katie messaged me. She was pretty enough, and I just dismissed her as a bot. 
It wasn't until three days later that she messaged me again, which was odd because bots almost never message more than once. I clicked on her chat and replied, then looked at her profile. What I saw was generic, but wasn't a bot's profile. We had been talking for about a month when she proposed the idea that I come see her. I was reluctant. She lived nearly eight hours away from me by car. But I had to admit, I really did like her quite a bit, and I had been thinking about asking if I could come see her for a while now. After a bit more badgering from her, I finally said that I would take the drive to go see her. At this point, I had no reason to doubt that she was who she said she was. Everything appeared legit online. We had video chatted every other week and called most days. I just assumed I got lucky. Things did get a little weird on the way there, though. She kept messaging me the entire time, asking me where I was and making sure I was still coming. At some points, when I took more than 30 minutes to respond, she would send me a slew of annoyed texts. Admittedly, I had chalked this up to her being nervous about me coming to see her. I was nervous too, so I couldn't put too much blame on her. I have never met anybody online either, so this was new. I had a hard time finding the house at first. The directions she gave me were confusing, and it was back through a series of gravel and dirt roads and a large thicket of trees. It was still about midday when I came into view of an old-looking house. A window on the second floor was boarded up, but it didn't look abandoned. Just worse for wear. Katie's red buggy that she liked to talk about was parked in front of the garage. I took a look at my phone and texted her that I was there. She only sent a smiley face in return. When I got out of my car and to go knock on the door, I noticed someone was looking at me from the second floor window. I found it a bit creepy, but figured it was just her father or something. She had told me that he comes stay with her every now and again, so I ignored it and knocked on her door. She answered with a smile and even gave me a kiss which surprised me and I followed her inside. We sat down on her couch and started talking about our plans when I asked her about her dad. You didn't tell me your dad was here, I said. Was that going to be a surprise or... Katie looked confused and told me her dad wasn't there. I still thought she was keeping up the act and I told her that she didn't have to keep pretending, but I had seen him looking at me through the upstairs window. Katie went pale and said we had to get out of there now. We both ran to our cars and when I questioned Katie, she informed me that her dad was not there and that she had been home alone until I showed up. I called the police and while I was on the phone, giving the address, Katie gasped and pointed at the window where I'd seen the guy last. He was looking at us from the window again. I got a better look at him. He seemed older and frail, almost like he hadn't eaten anything in a while. He left the window after we saw him. It looked like he kind of scurried away. The police took half an hour to show up and the whole time Katie was crying and mumbling about how she was an idiot for not keeping her doors locked. When the police finally did show up, one started asking me and Katie questions, and the other two searched the house. They came back a little bit later and told me and Katie that they didn't find anyone. They did find that the back door was hanging open. Whoever it was had probably ran out into the woods, but the cops were sure that the house was empty. After the cops had left, Katie asked me to stay the night because she was scared and shaking. She didn't want to be in her house alone that night. I gladly did and we slept downstairs on the couch as Katie's bed was in the room next to the one the man had been seen in. Katie had also brought out her shotgun that her father had given her, but she never used. I told her it was fine. The man was gone but she insisted, saying she'd feel safer if she had it out. 
I'm glad she did. Later that night, I was still wide awake watching TV. Katie had somehow managed to fall asleep. From the kitchen, I heard the sound of the doorknob being turned. At this point, I wasn't even scared. I was more just angry. I flipped on the light in the kitchen and pointed the gun at the kitchen door. And there he was. The guy that had been in the house before was standing on the other side of the glass door. He looked shocked, and I'm glad the door was locked. The man unfroze and yet again ran into the woods. I woke up Katie and told her what happened, and called the police yet again. When they arrived, they did a sweep of the woods and found no one yet again. They told Katie and me that it was probably a good idea to stay somewhere else for the night. Me and Katie said our goodbyes. She was going to stay at her friend's house and I was going home. I left a few minutes after Katie did. I was on my phone with my brother telling him about what happened. My headlights were on, and as I was talking, something caught my eye. There he was. Once again, the man standing at the corner of the house just watching me. I gunned it out of there, and didn't even bother calling the police again. But I did text Katie, and she said she was going to call them again. I don't think Katie ever went back to that house, though. At least not alone. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true online horror stories. As always, if you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm, and that's incredibly helpful to the swamp. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode, as I upload them nearly every single day on all things natural and supernatural. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit yours at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp, and stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you're listening to this on iTunes or another podcast platform, please be sure to give this a 5-star rating over there as it helps us grow. It's very appreciated. If you're on the go and don't have YouTube Premium, but still want to listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and just about anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. It's absolutely free and always will be. I'd love to know in the comments down below what story was your favorite tonight. I know these are a bit different from what I normally cover, but I'd love to know your thoughts. Be sure to join me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and I'll see you guys soon with another creepy video.